Welcome. I'm Richard Prosh, and this is another edition of Six Gun Justice Conversations. These are occasional bonus downloads where my co-host, Paul Bishop, or I get to hang out around the virtual Six Gun Justice campfire and spend some time talking with other friends and writers who work in the Western genre. With me for this edition is writer and entertainment industry expert, Bo Lamour. Bo is the son of best-selling novelist Louis L'Amour and has managed his father's literary estate since 1988. Striving to maintain that legacy, he has done editorial work, revised unfinished manuscripts, managed a literary magazine and an audio radio drama series, done art direction, been a comic book writer and producer, and become an expert in marketing. I'm glad our schedules worked out today so that we could spend some time together. Howdy, Bo. Hey, good to speak with you. Your dad certainly needs no introduction to our Six-Gun Justice audience, but I was really struck by a statistic on your website. In the years since your dad passed away, you have sold 120 million books, nearly 5 million audio programs, and placed a number of books of short stories out of 16 posthumous collections on the bestseller list. Your dad was a great writer, but those figures also certainly reflect your hard work during the past couple decades. Could you please talk about that a little bit? What is it that keeps you moving ahead? a sense of wanting to keep my dad's work alive. When my dad passed away and I took responsibility for this part of the business, one of the things I told my mom was that my job was to put us out of business as slowly and elegantly as possible. And so far, I'm not sure about the elegant part, but it's been slow enough to be very gratifying. You have so many great projects going on. Let's just jump right in. What can you tell me about the audio dramatizations? I think we've done about 60, and that program may well be over. We started in about 1985, and I think the last show we did was four or five years ago, which was the the Diamond of Giroux, and I'm not sure that we'll do another one. It was an awfully difficult show to do. We still do the single voice audio tapes where somebody's reading the story, and that will continue until we're done with the catalog. But for the dramas, we had to do it as a hobby. And because it was done in our spare time, it took like seven years to do the whole thing. We had about 400 production days, which would be very similar to doing a big feature film. But it took a lot of years to get that many work days because we had all these other things we had to do to actually make money and keep the business alive and things like that. For these full cast dramatizations, did you record them in pieces or was the entire cast present? How did that work? We almost always recorded together. There might have been some time early on when maybe a cast member had a scheduling conflict or something like that. But certainly later in the program, the shows that I did after 2000, those were all done together. The cast of Son of a Wanted Man was 22, so it was quite large. I think the cast of The Diamond of Drew was 16. So did you write the scripts for these, or how did you adapt the scripts from your dad's prose? So those two that I just mentioned, The Diamond of Jeru and Son of a Wanted Man, were both motion picture scripts that I wrote. Wanted Man was never made, and we did the audio drama from the unmade film script. But The Diamond of Jeru was made, so it was actually made as a movie first and was released on the USA Cable. And then a couple of years later, when we finished Son of a Wanted Man, the people at Random House asked me if I wanted to do another one. By that time, I had done 59 Westerns, and I just thought, oh, gosh, I don't want to do another Western. 
but I'd like to do something that had a very distinctive sound, oral environment to it and everything. And The Diamond of Jeru takes place in Sarawak, Borneo in 1955. And that was a pretty distinct audio environment. So I thought that would be a great program to, to do on audio. How many motion pictures have you been involved with? Involved. If if you say involved, then I would say quite a few. If you say actually produced and where I played a major role, just a couple. I grew up in Hollywood. I guess if you grew up in Detroit, eventually, even if you don't want to, you end up working in something associated with the car business. And you grew up in Hollywood. And even if you want to or you don't want to, you eventually end up working in something associated with the film business. So started out what they call conforming soundtracks for television shows, which we did in the middle of the night. This was just moving sound effects and music and things around before the mixes were done so that the mix would be easier. I drove a truck and I worked as an art director a little bit. And I worked on the original Volvo 740 intercooler commercials doing a little bit of art department stuff on those and just had a bunch of weird different jobs. And then I ended up producing a couple of films. And then the last film that I worked on was The Diamond of Drew, which I wrote and produced. It just sounds like a lot of fun to have all those different experiences. It is. At the same time, it's a strange situation because the film business always takes at least as much as it gives. And so you always walk away from it going, why in the world did I ever do that? And then you go, oh, the money was pretty good. And they say, yeah, but the number of hours that I got into it and everything, was the money really good? I don't even know. So it's always a mixed bag. How does the film industry compare to working in publishing? Publishing is very civilized in comparison. There aren't people trying to destroy you usually in publishing, whereas it doesn't take much to get to that point in the film business. One of your more recent publishing ventures is The Lost Treasures, both as two standalone volumes and a series of additional pages that have found their way into new editions of your dad's books as postscripts. How do you decide what goes into The Lost Treasures? The first criteria for Lost Treasures is that it is biographical information. I'm preparing a biography on my dad. And so if it goes into The Lost Treasures program, it has to be about dad's career. Not so much about his personal life. There's all kinds of personal life things in there, but it's always things about his career. So Lost Treasures is a random access professional biography. Number one, it's got to be about his career. Number two, I have to have a minimum 10 manuscript pages, which will end up being six printed pages in the book. I don't ever want to put something in as a Lost Treasures postscript. And when the person gets there and reads it, they go, is that all? bought a new edition of this book and the guy only gave me this little bitty thing. I always want to make sure that people feel like maybe if we're real lucky, they're getting enough for their money. Another interesting project is Law of the Desert Born, which I believe was the first Louis L'Amour graphic novel. And your artist, Thomas Yates, was nominated for an Eisner Award as Best Penciler and Inker. It's a great product. How did that come about? I tried to get going in the comic business a couple of times. And we originally weren't going to do that particular title. We were going to do Son of a Wanted Man. And then I had a little action on the Son of a Wanted Man screenplay. And the producers were, no, we don't want you to do anything else with it. Someone might want to do a comic book. They're always dreaming about some other tie-in or something. And I was like, okay, you guys are foolish. This is a thing that's going to happen. And then we didn't do Wanted Man. We did do Law of the Desert Porn, which also had been an audio drama. And then Catherine Nolan, who was the writer of the audio drama, and I turned it into a film script. 
And so we had this film script sitting around and it had sat around for quite a long time. And when we started thinking about the graphic novel project, I dusted it off and went to work on it. We wrote it a couple of times before we even started saying, okay, now we're going to turn it into a comic book. And I started working with Charles Santino, whose knowledge of how to do a comic book is vastly greater than mine. If we were doing a movie, the job that Charles did would be very much like being the editor and the director. And so he, he laid out each page with the content that was on the page. He didn't draw it or anything like that, but he laid out the page. And I wrote the script. I made sure all the words were there and the timing of everything was right. And then Thomas, the illustrator, drew it. But we always used to say, Thomas is like the cinematographer, but he's also all the actors because he's the guy that does all the facial expressions and all the sense of emotion in people's bodies and things like that. So he played every part. It was a dreamlike project. The audios were always very easy and wonderful, but after working on a whole bunch of movies, working with Charlie and Thomas and my good friend, Paul O'Dell, who runs our website, but he also did all of our post-production on the comic book. And he does all the editing and producing on the last few audio dramas. So he did the post-production work, this was computer work, cleaning up Thomas's pencil and ink. It was just wonderful. We all got along really well. We all had exactly the same vision for what we were doing. And it was just an extraordinary project that I'm really proud of. Do you think you'll do any more graphic novel adaptations? Probably not with Random House. Their business is not primarily comics. I would very much like to do more. We just have to find another company. The comics business is always in a state of flux. It's always in a state of rapid, insane growth or collapse. And so it's on this kind of manic depressive cycle all the time. And I'm not sure what part of the cycle it's in right now. It's always tricky to find someone who wants to publish something. What projects do you have coming up in 2021? Finish Lost Treasures. I have a few more postscripts to go. Now we've got all the Lost Treasures books in paperback finally. So if you don't have a bunch of money, you can finally get them. Lost Treasures Volumes 1 and 2, which are some finished, but mostly unfinished work of my dad's, where I try and delve into the mystery of exactly what was he going to do with this story, or how did it fit into his career, things of that sort. And the novel, No Traveler Returns. I've got one last question for you that has nothing to do with your dad, but with you. You've had so much experience with Westerns over the years. What does Bo Lamore do for fun that has nothing to do with Westerns? Not having anything to do with Westerns and being the primary thing I do when I'm not working is now sit around the house because none of us are really getting out and doing too terribly much and dream of all the things I'm going to do when somehow the world opens back up and we're not all so nervous about one another any longer. I'm looking forward to hitting the road and doing some traveling, but that's mostly because I'm going out of my mind, trapped in my house, trapped in Los Angeles, trapped in California, three levels of gulag that I'm looking to get out of. Thanks to Bo Lamore for being a part of the Six Gun Justice podcast today. Be sure to visit his website at bolamore.com, where you can learn more about his work. And thanks to you for listening. Paul and I appreciate your support of our Six Gun Justice podcast and hope you continue to enjoy each and every episode. As always, a hearty thank you to our sponsors, Wolfpack Publishing, author Chris Enns, and the Western Writers of America for making this podcast possible. Be sure to check our website, sixgunjustice.com, for links to previous podcast episodes, speed listens, and prior conversations, along with reviews, interviews, and articles from the Western genre. Till next time, keep the sun at your back and a good horse at hand. Let's ride.